Welcome, 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 Skillman family, to a continuing the conversation episode. This, Jake, I think this is episode 10. I think that's right. I think last week we got kind of confused, <laughs> and that's okay. We have made it to double digits. Double We didn't digits. think that it happened, but we did. We did. 10 I didn't know episodes. that I had 10 conversations in me <laughs> with anybody. That's right. But man, we've made it to 10 episodes. The first nine have been fantastic. This one will be no different. This will be a great conversation because we have with us here in the Skillman Rotunda, the one and only Sharon Nichols. Can you say hi to the Skillman family on the Continuing Conversation podcast? Hey, family. It's so great to be number 10. (laughs) This is uh, a privilege to talk with you today, and uh, you know we've been noticing that the listeners out there has, have been increasing. So I think the people out there have uh, really enjoyed what they've heard, and uh, we've had some great podcasts so far, some great interviews, yeah. and uh, I'm just excited about this one because we work alongside you. Uh, we know you. We love you. But for those that don't, uh, go ahead and just share your name. Uh, well, you just did already, but... <laughs> What is your role here at the Skillman Church of Christ, and how long have you been in this role? Well, you know, I have been blessed to be a part of this church for the last five years. Um, Chuck Adair was kind enough to bring me into the church in February of 2015, at which time I was doing a lot of the work for him with Ministries 101 and Regeneration. Um, fast forward, pretty next to impossible legendary. to do. The legendary. She's legendary. <laughs> However, I'm doing my best. You're doing a great job. Um, so, yes, and the part of my job is caring for the senior adults and the other members of the congregation, being one-on-one with them, doing what I can to bring joy to their day, to bring relief to bring a smile, to bring food, whatever it is. Um, Oh, yeah. I'm blessed to be here. And, you know, I do want to compliment you because uh, every once in a while I hear you answer the phone, and you do such a good job. It's just so friendly, you know? Well, every every once in a while I'm walking by the phone, and I know people are busy, and it'll go off. And (laughs) and I'll answer the phone. And when you hear the difference between me answering the phone, (laughs) which is basically, this is Skillman, what do you want? (laughs) And Sharon, who is like, oh, well, you know, welcome to Skillman. My it's name is so Sharon. Fr- how, like, can I, how can I help you? you what can I do help to facilitate smile, a positive man. experience for you? you yeah. Know? I mean, can you give us like a, just an example? I mean, I know it's kind of hard on the spot, but let's pretend I'm calling right now. Ring, ring. Skillman Church of Christ, this is Sharon. How can I help you? <laughs> See, that's so much nicer. It's so much nicer know, than, than, than my yeah. gruff, nasty voice. You know? <laughs> and you do, you do a great job, too, with the senior adults. I mean, you cook that breakfast on Tuesday, which is fantastic. We have, we have the Tuesday morning Bible study, which everyone's invited to. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anybody. It, yes, but uh, you know, a lot of senior adults come. I think it's one of the best secrets in all school. I mean, it's, it's fantastic, right? And then uh, you work with senior adults. You, you actually just took a trip to Waco, right? We did. How we, was that experience? This was our third trip down to Waco, or an area just north of Waco, um, to a place called Homestead Heritage, which is an agrarian community, uh, much like a Mennonite community. Um, and they uh, live on the Brazos. Interesting. The hmm. entire community goes by the name of Brazos de Dios. Um, and they are a self-contained community, self-sustaining. Um, yeah, so we always have a great time when we go. Oh, man. Well, yeah. you wow. do a great job with that. And, and uh, we brought you on here, too, because, you know, we're in the middle of this 
the season of living by faith as a, as a congregation. You know, just to, just to reiterate for those, maybe this is your first time to listen, and those that, uh, those that have been a part of the Skillman family who've heard this a thousand times, you can go ahead and press that forward 10 seconds, you know, if you want to. <laughs> right. But, you know, we have uh, really, we're excited about Vision 2020, our, our vision for the year. And we know that some churches focus a lot on outreach. Some focuses, some churches focus a lot on spiritual growth and development. Some uh, churches focus a lot on uh, social justice. And we thought, man, what if we do everything? What if we have our cake and eat it too? Yeah. And we kind of thought, well, what if we work the year kind of like an agricultural system and we, we have seasons and rhythms? And so the first part of the year is living by faith. We're really focused on spiritual growth and growing closer to God, almost like Enoch walking with God, trying to get, get our intimacy with God closer. And then in the second part of the year, we'll emphasize social justice. We'll be a, a group of believers that advocates hope. And we'll speak on just justice issues and our role as Christians in making the world better. And then the third part of the year, we'll focus on being known by love. And so we'll, we'll focus as a church on hospitality, on caring for each other, on uh, service, and, and on love. And so uh, you know, right now, we're in that season of living by faith. And, you know, Sharon, you know, we work side by side in, in bits and pieces well, times at times. What has the events of your life that have led you to this this place at this time. And uh, but what I do know, it's a great story. And I, I doubt that the church knows. Jake, do you know a lot of her story about you? Bits and pieces. Yeah, me too. So we thought, man, how cool would it be to invite you here as we talk about faith and really explore what this word means? Um, and also kind of share some recent news uh, that you have recently experienced um, and kind of how faith plays in to that so, uh, but, to, but to begin, and I think script, you know, we're hoping to work in some textual verses as well, uh, you know, bits and pieces there. And, but we kind of wanted to start just for you to tell us, um, how did you get here? <laughs> what has this journey been like for you, um, especially your journey of faith? I'll tell you, that's a really loaded question to sit here at 63 years old and think that I can sum up my story in, in the amount of time that we have is... You know, it's going to take some doing, and it's going to take yeah. some thought. Um, not that I don't want to share it, but I want to share it effectively. And, exactly. And I, I want to share it in a way that it gives hope. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you, I'm going to go back to a very tragic time of my life and go from there. Mm. Um, I lost my oldest child in October of 2003. At that time, I had been in recovery for close to 14 years. Mm. Um, that was a devastating blow to me, and I had some setbacks as a, re as a result of that. Yes. I also left the church. I walked mm -hmm. away from God. I was very angry, mm -hmm. and there was no one and nothing that could convince me that he was a just God and that yeah. he cared anything about me mm. wow. uh, or my family, for that matter. Uh, it took Pierre on the steps of Grace Place Properties mm. in 2013 where I was introduced to Anita and Stack Stack, Chuck and Chris Adair. Those four individuals, along with Linda Jean Branham, mm -hmm. a longtime resident of Grace Place, are five of the most um, key players yeah. in my newly found faith. They taught me what it was like to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ yeah, yeah. 
whom I never had before or even thought of having. Um, I was one who would not read the Old Testament. I was scared to death of it. And this Jesus, what was he going to have to do with the likes of me? Yeah. Um, I have since learned that... <laughs> sorry, but I just get... I just can't smile big enough mm. to tell you what that's like for me today. Mm. Um, I have a relationship with Jesus today that carries me through anything, mm. any time of day, any mm. moment, any minute, any hour, whether there's someone with me, whether there's not someone with me, whether I'm alone, whether I'm in a group of people. I know in my heart of hearts, deep in my soul, that the Spirit is alive and well in me, and um, I can't That's lose. Beautiful. I can't lose. Mm. Yeah. I can't lose. Well, and as as you share some of those aspects of your story, Sharon, I, I I'm especially proud of you for for being willing to to mm. be open and vulnerable, honest, uh, because one of the aspects of faith that doesn't get as much airtime is that faith is not easy. Oh man. And uh, we, we've been talking all about what is faith. Uh, and sometimes the harder question to ask is, is faith even worth it? Yeah. And mm-hmm. you've, you've had experiences, uh, you know, 17 years ago, uh, seven years ago, uh, even two weeks ago, uh, yeah. that, yeah. that could very easily lead someone to ask the question, is faith even worth it? Yeah. Uh, should I even participate in this? And, and the answer that you have come to uh, over these past 20 years is yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. There is nothing else. There is nothing else that sustains me. Um, I do want to go back because I left out someone that's very important to me. She was a very integral part of my uh, work in regeneration, and that's Miss Judy Teague. Mm. Um, she has been uh, a very strong woman of faith and a great example for me in my life here at Skillman. Yeah. Hero um, for sure. A hero, my hero. Um, Your story. No, faith is not yeah. easy. Yeah. Faith is not meant to be easy, I don't believe. Yeah. Uh, nothing about this life is to be easy. I know that life is about suffering, but it's also about great reward. And it's about moments that are hard, where we do struggle, where God shines the brightest. Mm. And um, that's ramping up in my life right now with with some recent news. Yeah. So um, I'm delighted and I'm honored that you asked me to do this. I want the church to know my story. I want them to know who I am. Yeah. And sometimes people are just afraid to ask. I hear you. So I'm bringing with, uh, it to them. With your permission, too, I know that you mentioned um, several years ago how you found yourself in uh, the pit. Uh, you found yourself uh, broken. You found yourself uh, in, in emotional pain. And uh, you know, it reminds me of you know, this, the parable of the two sons where mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the prodigal son uh, goes off, makes his decisions and is out there eventually after squandering the money that he had, finds himself surrounded by pigs, <laughs> eating the food, the leftovers of the pigs. And I love how it says in scripture that finally he came to his senses. He was so low. His situation was so dark. He was such in that valley that almost his, the light came on and said, there's a better way. With as much as you want to share with us, your, your family right now, what was that moment for you? Where were you? What were you doing? Oh, oh it's so dark. And it's, it's hard for me to share this part of me because 
I think there are some people that would just be sitting here listening, they're shaking their head going, not her, no way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I used to carry a lot of shame about it for a long time. Uh, today it's part of my story and it can't be my story without telling this part of it, but I was a drug addict. Mm -hmm. And um, that came back with a vengeance. Like I said, I had been clean and sober for 14 years when my daughter passed. Yeah. And when I returned to using and drinking, um, it was like I never stopped. Man. And as we, well, as some of us know, that this is a disease that's very progressive and it works on you whether you are participating in it or not. Um, so uh, I guess my darkest moment before I hit Grace Place was in a motel room in Alvarado, Texas on a rainy day, totally alone, spent, um, I had some bruising from someone that was abusive to me and I wasn't sure how I was going to make it back to Dallas. But somehow I got in my car, I made it back to Dallas, I went to treatment and the next thing I know I'm on the steps of Grace Place. Oh wow. So, um, and it's just been, it's just been uh, one, I won't say one success after another because there have been setbacks, but my setbacks are, have never been what they were. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> once I found that relationship with a God I never knew, yeah. I knew that I would never be back yes. in those places ever again, unless I made the conscious choice. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a conscious choice every day for me to participate in my recovery and to do the things that are, that are good for me, that are good for this body, this temple that God has given me, and to nurture it and care for it the best way I know how. I remember uh, one time we were having a, a Bible study or having a conversation. I don't remember, I don't remember what, a, what the context was. But you kind of said something, too, that I'd never known about you, that there was one part of your story, too, where you were homeless. Oh, was that, was that, that during? That was, that was um, when I left that motel room, mm -hmm. that's when I ended up homeless coming back to Dallas because um, I didn't make it to Grace Place immediately. Yeah. I had to go through some things. So, yes, I ended up homeless. My, my family um, was done. My family was done helping me, and I was done asking. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, there was a period of time where I was homeless, um, about 11 months of mm. homelessness. Um, but, wow, uh, 11 months. But because of that, wow. well, I found Grace Place. And without that, I would have never found Grace Place. My goodness. You know, so. What was that, I mean, what was that like? That's almost a year. It was. I mean, where did you sleep? How, how was that experience? I spent a lot of time at Austin Street Shelter. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in my car. I spent a lot of time on people's floors. Mm -hmm. um, but most of that time was spent in my car. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't ever want to do that again, <laughs> yeah. right? right? So, so during that time, what, what's the what's the prevailing thought that's going through your mind? What 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 is the number one thing that you are thinking about yourself during that time? At that time, 
will he rescue me? Mm. Or is this it? And he, you mean will, God? Yeah. Will I be redeemed? Yeah. Will he see fit to come for me? Mm. Yeah. Come for yeah. me. Yes. And he did. Wow. I mean, we can see now. <laughs> we can see now the, <laughs> the fruits of this story. But at the time, I can imagine how dark. You know, I never knew what the words grace or mercy meant. I never used those words. That was not part of my vocabulary. Um, Like I said, I was angry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But it was about this time that my thinking and perception started to turn around about the death of my child and why that happened. And I found myself realizing this was her choice. Mm. She made a choice that ended her life. Mm. And God was there to welcome her. Wow. Um, yeah, so I no longer, I no longer hold anyone wow. responsible. We are all responsible for the choices we make. Yes. And uh, some of those choices have dire consequences. Yeah. Uh, but today I don't grieve my daughter. I, I have joy. <laughs> Mm. in my heart for my daughter. Mm. Um, I'm very joyful about her life and about her eternal life. Man, that's a, man, what, a, what a story. Thank you again for being so vulnerable of with course. us to share this. And you mentioned earlier in your story that you know, growing up, and I guess prior to this moment, you had been going to church. You had All my life. All your life. All my life. Um, and you know, this tragedy happened. It put you through this... I mean, uncontrollably a spiral downward. And uh, you find yourself homeless. You find yourself using. You find yourself in abusive relationships. It was, if there's any picture of what darkness and what hell was, you were experiencing hell, hell on earth. Um, no other way to describe it. Pure hell on earth. And, um, yeah, the uh, symptoms of withdrawal and things like that are... Um, indescribable yeah and but there was there was nothing anybody could do for me until I'd had enough how many times do you have to go through this mm. to say enough is enough yeah and that's when he intervened I know he did and mm. I'll tell you why I know he did mm-hmm. um, you don't just quit doing what I was doing and wake up one day and never, ever have the compulsion again. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened to me. Wow. I woke up. It was a Tuesday morning. I no longer had the desire to drink or use drugs. It was completely gone. Wow. That's a, that's a miracle. Yeah. Wow. And uh, you know, what was, how, can you put your finger on what the, what the difference was that second time around? I mean, the message, you had mentioned a change in mindset, which is interesting yeah. that, I mean, it's very similar to the word repent, metanoah, which is a change of mind. And you had mentioned earlier that really it took you almost, it's, it's a radical shift in your perspective, a radical shift in your paradigm. And I know there's people out there listening that might be in that darkness that you experience, may not be to the level that you were, but are, they feel trapped, they feel alone, they feel caught in a, a vicious cycle. You may have people that are listening that have loved ones that are 
making destructive decisions and they feel powerless to see this. But you know, here you have this experience, this change. Can you put a finger on what that was? Here's what I know for myself, and it's different for everyone else, for everyone. You have to get to a personal bottom. Mm. You don't know when that's coming. You don't know what it's going to look like, but you know when it hits. And that's what happened for me. I finally got to that place where there was nothing left in my spirit, my soul, my body, my mind. There was nothing left and nowhere to go. Mm. Nowhere. It was almost you know, a verge of hopelessness. You know, we have this saying in recovery, you know, um, addiction leads to jails, institutions, or death. Mm. And that's really it. Mm -hmm. It's one of those three things. So in the midst of that, uh, you have this radical change that comes over you. you know, a Tuesday morning, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's vanished, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I think we would say that the only way to describe what just happened was that by the grace of God, yeah. uh, you, you were set free. That's when I learned about the word grace yeah. and mercy. Yeah. And I'm not kidding, guys. It happened just like that. Wow. I'm not. I'm not embellishing this. Mm. I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Wow. So over and over again, the, the Christian story, Christian history, the story of the Bible, uh, it, we have people. Uh, who are crying out to God, and uh, you know the psalmist. Uh, we we used this phrase earlier. The psalmist talks about the pit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from the pit, they're crying out. Uh, I, I have I have a passage here, uh, and there's multiple places uh, where where Paul will write something mm -hmm. similar to this in the New mm -hmm. Testament. But this one is from Second Corinthians chapter six, and and he writes about uh, how he goes through problems, disasters, stressful situations, beatings, imprisonments, riots. Uh, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, and through all this, he's trying to live faithfully. And, and so th this moment where you're crying out from the pit uh, and, and you finally hit that rock bottom, you end up at Grace Place, and now you're in a community of people who have all hit rock bottom, right? So tell us a little bit about, about what it's like to, uh, to try to live faithfully with others who are also in the midst of some of the darkest moments of their life? Well, the first word that comes to mind, it was very difficult. Mm. <laughs> very difficult to live in a community of people, especially a co-ed community. Um, it's, it's challenging because not everybody is at the same level that you are when they get there. Um, some people have a faith, others may not. Um, so everybody's in a different place. But the one word that comes to mind is gratitude. And when I walked through those gates, that was the first thing I thought of. And I, I say, I don't say this to be cute. Mm -hmm. I say this because it's exactly how I felt. I was grateful to have a toothbrush and a tube of toothpaste. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. wow. And mm -hmm. I will never, ever not say that. That was, I walk into this place that is a fully furnished apartment. Um, I have food, I have mm -hmm. a bed. I have linens. I have um, people that seem to care about me. A hot shower. A shower? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Mm. All the comforts of home right there. Yeah. It, it's a reminder, uh, to me at least, uh, that there is so much in this life 
And it's so easy to be distracted mm-hmm. by this or by that. Mm-hmm. But even something as simple as a toothbrush. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, yeah. that is the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. God has so gifted us that we can brush our teeth in the morning. You yeah. know? Uh, and, and everything everything that we encounter in life, if, if seen through the lens of spirituality and faith, can be a way to experience the grace of God. So thank you for reminding me of that, Sharon. I hope, well, I hope and, our listeners hear that too. And one of the greatest things about cleaning yourself up is your sanity returns. Mm. Because when you're out there in it, you don't have a sound thought about mm. you. Mm. You are in desperation mode all the time. So to have a clear thought that you can ride with all day long mm. and come back to it and find yourself in the same place when you go to bed at night is yeah you can't take that for granted I mean, that's just the the, the clarity just of the clarity clarity of thought so what what year was this uh, how long ago was this when you walked onto the steps of this recovery program uh, you know grace uh, grace place properties is mm-hmm. for those that don't know is this apartment complex in duncanville and it's a ministry that takes in people that i guess they've recently come out of prison or they're going through addiction. Yeah, they're trying to re-enter society or they've come out of treatment centers. Um, it's, a, it's a combination. Um, I walked into the gates of Grace Place on May 7th, 2013. Mm. And I was there until July of 2015. Wow. So really, it's been about seven years from where we're, from when you first started, almost seven years, 2013 yeah. to 2020. Yeah. Um, and you've had, a lot's happened in these seven years. Uh, you know, oh, you're completely, you're clean. You, I mean, you you uh, began working here at the church. Uh, you started out work, assisting uh, with the uh, regeneration program, mm-hmm. uh, kind of doing some administrative work. And just recently, your job was expanded. Uh, to kind of be uh, our go-to person when it comes to, you know, office administration and answering phone calls. And, uh, and here you are, uh, living the dream. You believe it? <laughs> <You're> living, <laughs> living the dream, you know. Here's the thing. I would have never picked the Church of Christ because I didn't grow up in the Church of Christ, but it was picked for me. What? And I, I got to tell you, <laughs> I've been pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> tell us what tell us what you knew of the Church of yeah, Christ. Yeah, I know, man. And, and what, how have you been surprised? Oh my gosh! Well, the Church of Christ I knew of was one that I visited when I was a child with a friend of mine. Um, it was in the country. It was uh, wooden pews, dirt floor, um, a cappella singing, mm-hmm. and they couldn't sing. Um, <laughs> so and, so and bad, just a lot, a lot of bad a cappella singing. Yeah, a lot of fear. Um, I felt like I, you know, I didn't want to do anything wrong. Mm. Um, I grew up in the sister church, the Disciples of Christ. But I have to tell you, my time here at Skillman, I have experienced a level of, I I thought it was very conservative at first, but I have since learned that's not necessarily true. This has been an, actually a more liberal experience in the church I grew up in. Mm, wow. My church was very formal, yeah. had many rituals and ceremonies, and um, so it, it's been a very pleasant experience. So you like, you like, it's been a good experience. It's been a great experience. <laughs> That's good, good to hear. It really has. Yeah. 
I've learned everything I know about Christ at this church. Um, that was orchestrated by God. I didn't do that. And uh, you know, we were talking, uh, we've been walking alongside you on this journey, uh, but a few weeks ago, you decided to go to the doctor for a random checkup. Well, I guess, I guess it's not a random, but it's, I guess, an, a, a regular checkup. It was check a much-needed checkup, yes. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't been in a while. And uh, so you're just going, it's a regular meeting with a doctor, mm-hmm. you know, you could go in, go out, you're kind of waiting to sit here, mm-hmm. continue the good things. Um, but you kind of got some surprising news two weeks ago. I did, and, indeed. And, uh, man, share with us what you learned that day and kind of what has happened since yeah. and where you are now. That day was February 17th. I mean, you're good with dates, by the way. I, I, I got to say this. <laughs> you were really good with dates. Was it uh, a two? What, what day was it? The week was it? It was a Monday. It was a Monday, February 17th. Oh, my stars. I had just left the clinic from getting my colonoscopy. Yay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and my doctor calls me, and she says, well, I have some very disconcerting news about your blood tests. I said, well, what is it? She says, well, you have a very high elevated white blood count, and I'm very concerned. I said, well, that does sound concerned. I said, share with me your concern. She says, well, I've been seeing a lot of this lately, and it's a form of leukemia that is very indicative of what your markers are showing me. I said, hmm, mm-hmm. That's okay. the kind of word you want to hear, yeah. Not <laughs> the word I want to hear, and, you know, not knowing anything about it. Um, needless to say, I was alarmed. Uh, but fast forward. I have since met with a a hematologist in oncology who has guided me through this process and shared with me my diagnosis this week, which is called chronic myelogenous leukemia. And after doing some research and some study and preparing spiritually for this Mm -hmm. forever, and he's right. I just didn't realize that that's what I was doing. And because of that, I can honestly sit here and tell you that I am not enveloped in fear. I'm thinking, like we used to say in region, this is a time for God to show up and show out. (laughs) And and I know he's going to do that. And this is all about what's going to happen how he's going to shine mm. and how the glory is going to be his. And oddly, but it's kind of exciting to think about what he's going to do with all this, well, right? Not the response I thought I'd hear. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying it and I'm going, are you crazy? Why do you listen to yourself? But no, I'm serious. I've seen too many miracles in my life to think that I can't be one of them again. You mm. know, I am a miracle Mm. Um, he's not through with me. So this is just another chapter of my story. And um, I'm going to be very diligent. I'm going to do exactly what the doctors tell me to do. Um, I'm going to stay in fervent prayer and remember that all the, all the glory goes to God. So, Sharon, I want to uh, go back to that February 17th, that Monday, and I want to ask you a question because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think... Uh, if we just assume this, we'll probably assume incorrectly. But I'm, cu- I'm curious. I called to know. you that day. I, I know. I yeah. Know, I know. Yeah. I'm curious to know uh, when you got that phone call from your doctor, 
uh, he, uh, you hear the word leukemia. And what is your first reaction to that? Uh, is, it, is it a dropping in the pit of your stomach? Is it, uh, I mean, just tell us what it is. I mean, what was that first moment uh, when you heard that? What, what was your response? Surely you must be mistaken. <laughs> Surely there must have been a mess up in the lab. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you're serious. Oh, okay. Next? Like, what do I do next? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a numbing feeling, a little bit of disbelief. People. Uh, and um, you've mentioned to me that there's different types of leukemia. Mm-hmm. And there's one type of leukemia, I believe it's acute. Acute. Le- acute leukemia. Yes. Where basically they say you have about six months. That's the real bad one, the right? Bad where one, they yes. throw you in the hospital immediately, they yeah. pump you full of chemo, and you're, uh, you're just hoping that you, that you survive. But this is a different kind, This right? is a different type of leukemia. And the way I understand it from what I have read, mm-hmm. that there is a chronic stage which I hope I'm still in, there is an accelerated phase and there is a blast phase. The blast phase is the most difficult to treat. Mm. And they recommend um, other types of chemo drugs if that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't tolerate the medication, it may move you into the next stage mm. because it's not catching what it needs to catch, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, even though you're taking medication, you're still not. Mm. It prayers that I'm still in the chronic stage and that I'm going to be able to tolerate the medication. Those are my two, um, the two things that I, I usually pray for specifics, but I've been praying specifically for that. And this is something we can pray for you too as well yeah. out there. Is number, yeah. number one, that you stay in the chronic stage. And number two, that your body responds well yeah. to the medicines. Opinions. Many People have many opinions when it comes to medical diagnoses. But uh, it's my understanding that this is very manageable. And I hope that that's true. And given um, my set of circumstances and my particular physical struggles, um, I hope I'm just going to plow right through that and it's going to work for me, and I'm going to be one of those that lives with this for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Because I also understand that it is not, quote, curable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like any other cancer, it can uh, go into remission mm-hmm. or, or be managed, yeah. halted. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, in the middle of all this, you're, you're reading, you're learning, you're talking to doctors, you're... Uh, asking friends for prayers and for help and, and what their experiences are if they've gone through something similar to this. And, and through all this, uh, I think something, at least it's, well, it's not that surprising, but there is a surprising aspect to it, uh, for, for me at least, is that your favorite or your least favorite word is not the word leukemia mm-hmm. right now. Uh, I, I feel like I've heard you say that you have a different least favorite word, uh, and it's the word waiting. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, you would like, expect yeah. it to be the word leukemia, but no, it's the word waiting. Yeah, waiting. It is. Yeah. I mean, sitting in that unknown, at least when you know, then you can develop a plan of action and know what to do and mm-hmm. uh, take some positive steps. But the waiting and the wondering, the fan, you know, fantasizing and just worst casing everything, and then you catch yourself and you go, now, wait a minute. Don't go there. Mm-hmm. Don't go there. Yeah. Where's your faith? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so describe a little bit about what it's like to to put these two things next to each other. Because uh, you said, you know, you finished that statement by saying, where's your faith? So place those two things together and say, what's it like? Uh, uh, how, how is your faith being challenged right now to grow? How is your faith uh, uh, keeping you grounded and, and, and sh- ass- uh, assured of what God has, has promised us through Scripture? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that, that journey of placing those two things side by side. Hmm. That's a loaded question for me right now. Um, I vacillate back and forth throughout the day. A part of the day for me is nighttime mm-hmm. when all the monsters come out, yeah. you know, all the yeah. voices. Um, I can't say enough about prayer at this time um, and talking to others. Just as with any other disease, just as in my recovery, the, the walk of my recovery, it's about talking and sharing with other people because that's where I derive my hope. That's beautiful. That's yeah. where I derive a lot of hope is from talking to other people who have been through similar uh, circumstances and are shouting from the rooftops today because they've come oh, through man. it. I have know? to say, Sharon, I mean, just the way that you're handling this is inspiring. It is, it's amazing to see this peace that scripture talks about, this peace that passes understanding. We can't understand, (laughs) I can't understand this kind of peace, you know, because you are in that tension right now uh, where there is some unknown. But uh, we have a lot to learn from you. Uh, We have a lot to learn from right now, the way that you're handling this. And in the midst of this theme that we are in of faith, we're talking about faith, we're trying to define faith, we're trying to implement faith within our life. We're trying to live faith, knowing that faith really is a verb. It's not just something that lives between our ears, but it's living and active. And it it affects the way we, we the choices we make and the way that we live. Right now, teach us a little bit, uh, enlighten us. Where you are now, this battle ahead, mm-hmm. how would you define faith? And how is this faith helping you through this time? Faith is the spirit that lives inside me. It's a knowing that I can't describe. It's, an, it's a certainty of complete knowing. Not just wondering, but really knowing that I am going to be okay no matter what happens. That there is nothing that can shake the bedrock, the foundation that was built on my last bottom. Mm. Okay? Mm. That last bottom established for me a solid and firm foundation that I have built this new life of faith on. Mm. And do, do I waver some days? Of course I do. Of course, yeah. Of course I do. Do I doubt? Yes, I do. Do I get in the poor me's? I try not to, but I do. Mm-hmm. Do I ask the question, why me? But I'll always come up with, why not me? <laughs> um, you know, God chose me. Mm-hmm. He chose me. And um, because he chose me, to have this walk, 
I am going to be obedient to him. Mm. And I can only do that by being faithful to him mm. and trusting even when I don't want to, mm. even when it's scary, what the next step looks like, maybe like Martin Luther King says, taking the next step even when you can't see the staircase. Mm. Um, it's a lot of unknown, but stepping out anyway. Yeah, Sharon, that reminds me of a passage that I, I, I was hoping that I was going to get to read tonight. I was, I've just been sitting over here yes, waiting. I've been holding yes. on to it, just, just hoping. And it reminds me of a passage in, the again, the book of 2 Corinthians. Apparently, that's all I'm thinking about today. <laughs> but it's this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to read just two verses uh, because uh, you hinted at this exactly as, as you answered that. Uh, and Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he says uh, uh, that uh, he, he starts to write this because... Uh, He's asking a rhetorical question about whether they need a letter of recommendation in order to be ministers of the gospel. Okay, so that, he's answering that question. He says to the Corinthians, you are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are Christ's letter delivered by us. You weren't written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. You weren't written on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so this idea that you uh, have just been talking about of that it is the Spirit uh, that is working and that we are writing the words of the Spirit through our actions and through our lives, uh, Paul, Paul wrote that same thing. Perfect. Yeah. And so I wake up this morning, remember our Devo from yesterday, oh, Deuteronomy yeah. 31.6? So I wake up this morning and, and where, I've been looking for this bracelet on my floor. What does what? it say? Deuteronomy 31 6. Be strong and courageous. You think I didn't put that right on my arm today? Wow, man. Yeah, there's some background there because, uh, you know, you kind of gave us this news on Monday night of, uh, I guess, a week from when we released this podcast. And every Tuesday, you, we had this Tuesday morning Bible study, and we, and we rotate who does it, but it was my turn to facilitate this discussion. And you kind of texted me the news, and it was just kind of heavy on my heart. and you know, for some reason, when I was trying to choose the verse of what we would speak of, it was Deuteronomy 31, Deuteronomy 31, 6. And here, you tell me that you found a bracelet with that very verse on your floor? Wow. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. I, I can't explain it. Yet. Now, did, did, you own the, did you know that you owned the bracelet before, or did it just show up? <laughs> no, I knew. It was given to me last. Wouldn't that be a story? Yeah, know? that would be crazy, man. Just the children <laughs> wore these last year for a vacation Bible school, I believe. Oh. And they gave me one and I've been looking for it for a long long time yes wow I mean what a great I mean that's uh, that's Moses. twilight zone right there <laughs> yeah that's cool man because Moses is there you know he, he, they're on the edge of the promised land mm -hmm. he knows he's not going to take them in you know it's going to be a battle there's a battle that awaits and he looks at his, his uh, the, you know the people of Israel and he says I'm not going to take you in there there's going to be a battle ahead Joshua's going to take you in but hear these words be strong and courageous and I know, man, uh, you're going to be an inspiration. You are going to be an inspiration to us because we know you have battles ahead. We don't know how your body will respond to the medicine. Uh, we don't know if there's going to be side effects that are unwanted. Uh, but we do know um, we're inspired by your faith. And we, <laughs> I'm confident that you'll be strong and courageous. Is there anything that we as your faith community can do to walk alongside you, support you, or you know, just... You know, someone who's in your place right now, how can people be supportive? Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. If you can't do anything else, 
don't stop praying. And just smile at me during the day. Let me know that um, that I'm in a safe place mm. and that that I am okay. I'm not going to be okay. I am okay. And uh, I just want to say this. I I don't know who I shared it with. I think it may have been you, John Mark, but I have felt such a sense of family from the staff in the last few weeks, a sense of family that I hadn't felt mm. before. Mm. Um, and I'm so grateful that I can come to work every day and know that I'm walking into a very safe place. I can be the way I need to be and you're going to understand mm. and you're not going to turn your back on me. Mm. It's not going to be so uncomfortable for you that you don't want to hear me talk mm. about it or you just can't deal with it because you're going to do whatever you can to listen and comfort me when I need comforting. I, I know you will. Well, and it's especially important too because I mean, uh, I know we're focusing on Sharon right now, but man, there are so many people in our congregation. Yeah. Oh, there uh, are. And even uh, even on our staff, I mean, uh, yeah. uh, we have a couple of a couple of staff members who have lost uh, oh, very man. close family mm-hmm. members, yeah. uh, parents in the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks uh, mm-hmm. have received bad news like you yeah. in the past couple of weeks, and so uh, uh, I, I love that admonition: don't stop praying. Uh, because in the midst, in the face of all that, that's in front of us, in front of you, in front of others, man, it would be so easy to just say, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it at all. But, uh, but, but your message, and you're in the middle of it, uh, your message is, it is worth it. And yeah. keep, keep going. Keep it praying. is worth it. And our struggles are what bind us together. Um, being there for one another in the time of struggle, not just in the good times. Um, I've received a lot more um, joy in my life. In the struggle. Yeah. In the struggle. It's a beautiful imagery, uh, too, of the fact that we're not alone. Um, not only, you know, that's one of the, the beautiful things about this faith community thing, you know, that one of the, the beautiful things, you know, amidst the craziness and sometimes the, the conflict, this is, this, is, this is where the magic happens. Mm. This is where we show up for each other. This is where we bring soup uh, to those that can't get out of bed. You know, this is where we love each other. And we're not alone. And uh, and kind of going back to Deuteronomy 31, it's interesting. Be strong and courageous, but why? You know, why does Moses say that? And the latter part of that verse is that the Lord is with you. And I think that right there is is the magic too. Um, We, in our midst of of our, our trials, the disappointments, the bad news, the deaths of loved ones, the the curveballs that life brings to us, may we never forget that God is with us, that in this talk of faith, what we really need to harp on each week is that being faithful, God is the one that's faithful to us. That is, and you wrote about that, Jake, in your blog post, that the biblical writers tend to highlight that. They're more concerned with that truth, that God has always been faithful God is faithful, and God will always be faithful in the good times and the bad. Yeah, that's right. And maybe we close on that note. You know, what do you think? It, uh, there's not much better than saying God is faithful. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good thing to end on right there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, Sharon, thank you. We love you deeply. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know the church here loves you deeply. You are so important. You're a, a rock star. Um, thank you for sharing your story, for being vulnerable with us today. 
you have blessed the, uh, the people that have listened, whether they're walking their dogs or driving their car. They may be having tears in there. I don't know if there are people needing tissue you know, but right now, but it's, it's been inspiring. So thank you so much. Well.